Oh, I don't know. All right. I can't. It's like, I don't know at what point I should organically press the button to have the intro fade in over our banter. Uh, I can't pre-plan. Press it now. Do it now. being that long oh it's like an alien isolation (laughs) where you just wait for the last sound of unearthly footsteps to recede around the corner for you dare (laughs) your head out of a locker we were all just like holding our breath i was trying not to laugh (laughs) i was by the end as well i was like should i there's no way it's normally that long i was playing with my mouse wheel wasn't i Should explain to the listener. Welcome to the Electronic Wireless Show, episode 97, Rock Paper Shotguns, PC Gaming Podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion. And this week, we are recording with a slightly different technique where I can press the the buttons for stings in real time and they will happen. Oh, give, us, give us a sting, Alice. I nice. would have loved uh, it if Alice had just screamed the word Roxanne then instead. <laughs> I'd hate to have been called Roxanne because of that song, but that's did, that's a side note. Did you ever do... Uh, sorry, uh, my name is Alice Bell and I'm joined this week by Vidbud Matthew Castle. Hello. And uh, by Gul'dan. <laughs> I greet you. Who is, of course, this week played by Nick Crowley. Um, but I was going to ask, yeah, did you play the Roxanne red light drinking game? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Did, did you ever play it, Matthew? What's that? So it's where you divide, it's a, mostly a student game or one born out of desperation. Um, and what you do is you put on Roxanne and you divide the teams, you divide the, the attendance at whatever social gathering you're at into Team Roxanne and Team Red Light. Right. And then one Team Roxanne has to drink whenever Sting says Roxanne. Right. And Team Red Light has to drink whenever Sting says Red Light. Uh, And it's quite... Is that different to yours? Oh, no, no. Well, it's quite chilled out until the end because then it just goes, Roxanne, put on your red light, over and over again for about a minute. Oh, yeah. 
Nate's version, version he, just, he just drinks constantly throughout Roxanne. Yeah. <laughs> That's his yeah. rule set. Every time Sting breathes, <laughs> every, every breath he takes, every every shot you take, um, cartridge that. Uh, no, it was the one we did. Is you had to stand up every time you said Roxanne and then sit down the next time you said it. And if if you messed up the order, I just seem to remember there being this enormous man who bellowed at you to drink. <laughs> was it you? Were you the... <laughs> I was the man. Oh my God, oh what no. a twist. <laughs> uh, how are you both this week? Are you well? I am well. But Nate, you were recently unwell. Yeah, it wasn't, uh, wasn't the... The, the Rona, it was a hipster virus uh, that, uh, that that used to be cool. Um, or... did, did you catch it off one of your crabs or something? I wish. No, I bet they've got some cool diseases. Um, oh, I'll tell you who has got the disease of entropy, my pet mantis who died. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that was a bit much. I left her resting in state. Uh but, you know, I fortunately uh, have a lifespan longer than one year. Uh, and so, you know, I didn't succumb to that. But I did get a really nasty gastric thing. And I had loads of fever dreams. And the PC gaming angle is um, I had the, the curtains shut in the bedroom and I was just like having a massive sweat for days and there was a long period of time where I thought I was playing Total War Warhammer 2, Age of Empires 2, Mega Aquarium Freshwater Frenzy DLC, which is excellent, by the way, and Factorio all at once. <laughs> and I couldn't comprehend it. It was just like I was trying to rotate pumps at the same time of arranging oh. cavalry and worrying about how much stone I had. And, oh, it was, oh, it's, oh, horrible. <laughs> I could never you, grasp what was happening. Were you like that man in sunshine who, who like sees the sun and then, and then sort of begins to worship it and is like, for seven years I spoke with God. <laughs> that is it. I think I played the ultimate strategy game. That only Christ could master, like, but for a human, it was just overwhelming. Um, okay, so, yeah. so a, a normal few days for Nate, but we're glad totally you're feeling reasonable. better. Thanks, man. How, how are you, Matthew? I am fine. I've got no interesting anecdote like Nate's. I've been in good health and high spirits. Um <laughs> I've been playing a lot of Desperados 3 for review, um, which is brilliant. I'm really enjoying it. So, You're really liking it? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's really is it, good. Is it wicked? Yeah, it's wicked. It's a low percenter. Slip that one in for the true fans. Um, We're loving it. There you go. Um, well, I mean, I don't know how to spin a segue out of that because... Horror games aren't necessarily something you dislike because I was going to go, I'll tell you what people don't like is being scared. But some people do, but that's what we're going to talk about this week. 
Thrills, gonna... chills, and spells. It's the Halloween gonna... special. Halloween special. The June the Halloween, Halloween special. special. Played to perfection. Expertly uh, deployed there. <laughs> <laughs> we can only lampshade. Well. We can only lampshade the stings for this first episode because we haven't done it this way before. Um, it sounded uh, like a sort of a cartoon. Sounded like a, a fat ghost. <laughs> having a wander through the woods oh have you seen that video of the ghosts singing in the graveyard it's really great i'll link that in the the description but it's one of my favorite things uh anyway um yeah so this week uh it's a reader suggestion and you can suggest topics and ask us questions as well by emailing podcast at rockpapershotgun.com um but uh this week yeah we're talking about scary games the games that have scared us the most uh, Matthew, do you, do you want to start? Yes. Um, I guess that was that was meant to be a spooky voice. I don't know. I, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I I'm going to kick off uh, with the Evil Within, um, which is the Makami horror game uh, made mm-hmm. by Tango GameWorks. Uh, which is sort of famously what Mikami went to do uh, after leaving Capcom, was obviously involved with Resident Evil 4, and then went to make his own thing. So everyone was very excited because, you know, the, the master of survival horror or this this genius d- designer was going to tackle it afresh. Um, and it's weird because it's an action game. So like it's, it's not like big on jump scares. If anything, the stuff which is scary about it is quite cliched. You know, it's all like, you know, giant butchers and it's blood everywhere and barbed wire and it's all a bit kind of, you know, sort of mm. sort of heavy metal-y, kind of sort of a bit like, you know, a bit lame. Um, no offence to fans of that. Um, but what I, what I really loved about this game is it... Have, you, have either of you played it instantly? No, no. I've played, like... A bit of it. I play. I played the second one, which I yeah. didn't think was as good. No, second second one's not as good. Um, but what, what I really liked about it is it it keeps you in this sort of point of very stressed out desperation where you've never really got enough ammo that you can just kind of go crazy. Like you've always got to, you know, it, it sort of feels the cliche that kind of every shot counts. Um, it's it's that by design. I think Mikami did this in some earlier stuff too, but I've, I definitely remember reading this about Evil Within, like the, the game kind of um, uh, changes resources on the fly to make sure you never have too much. So if, if you've got lots of particular ammo, it will starve you of that ammo for a bit. So it's it's designed to kind of keep you keep you kind of hungry in a way, um, and that combined with just the bleakness of of mm. the sort of the world, which like I said, it's really cliched. And when you look at a screenshot, you're like, oh, that's naff. That's like a naff idea of something that's scary. Um, but it combined where I was re- I was just genuinely on edge throughout you know the deeper i got into it the more kind of stressed out and it was just so relentless like it lots of games talk about being relentless and visceral and but that's one of the few where it genuinely you know i was just i just wanted to get through it and it became like that hurdle that mental hurdle of wanting to beat something kind of became scary if that makes mm. sense um that does make sense 
Uh, and I do think a lot of the monster design in in it is really good as well. I'm just yeah. still hung up on the giant butchers. Like, that just <laughs> sounds like a premise for a really melancholy sitcom. Uh, I don't know, butchers. It's about yeah, really but... huge butchers with hands too big to do anything, <laughs> you know, more more delicate than just hurl slides of, sides of beef around. But they want to trim really delicate lamb roasts. Yeah, I think I think there was a butcher at the start. The big thing in it. So, oh, you're backpedaling on the no, giant no, butcher. No, no, the first guy, the first guy, the first bit of it, it's like a slaughterhouse, and there's a butcher-like character. But the, the 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 kind of iconic enemy is a man with a safe for a head. Yeah, <laughs> and I think he was called. I think he was called Boxhead. We called him Boxhead on the magazines. I remember <laughs> when we when we were redesigning official Xbox magazine, we were joking about having a regular feature, which was what's in Boxhead's box. And it was just the idea that he's got something awesome in this safe and every month you'd open it and it would be something inane and stupid. Um, but yeah, that that was, he was definitely a thing. There was a butcher, but it was more about the man with the safe for a head. Man with the safe for It's very metaphorical as well. They all represent like someone's trauma that they've That's a guy who he's very scared of safes. So. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's very I tight did. with his cash. <laughs> I did. I liked the monster design in the, in the Evil Within Two, but I did feel that it became a bit because um, it was had open world, almost survivally elements. Yeah, uh, and that made it less scary because you could just run away. Yeah, um, it, had a, it, it did a couple of great things. The second one, it it, it um. It had slightly, like you say, open worldy areas, but there were things. They weren't procedural, but they were almost sort of like surprise side missions. So you'd be mm. you'd be avoiding a load of enemies, and then like this terrifying ghost woman would appear, appear, and sort of it felt quite random that she was there and she was chasing you around. It probably wasn't, but it felt like a game where you sort of stumbled upon like horror stories within the world, which I quite liked. Mm. But generally, it was a a, a much not easier, but like gentler experience. Yeah, I just a lot of the monsters were like bits of women. There was one that was like a <laughs> a big lumbering, like a big lumbering woman made out of the corpses of other women with a chainsaw for a hand, and then like one that was uh, a camera flash bulb made out of women's legs that kept going ooh, and yeah, there was around. a bit of that. There are a lot of women bits in it, definitely a lot of women bits. It was. Uh, uh, remember, I, 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 it's terrible. I've forgotten her name. That uh, Japanese developer. She became like a sort of an instant internet sensation when she appeared at the Bethesda conference a couple of years ago. She sort of waved. Oh. She, sort of, she was really chirpy, and then she got turned into like a million memes. Um, but she, oh, I've forgotten her name now. That's terrible. But she's. We'll flash she's, the name up on the screen now on this podcast. She's. Uh, <laughs> she's. Uh, she was like. I think she she's the sort of brains behind the evil within because um, they were working they're working on that new uh, this is a very vague podcast I'm I'm afraid she's working they're working on a new horror thing at Tango called like Ghost something. <laughs> this is fact rich. <laughs> so there's this person who I think is working on a ghost game and then she left. Oh, it's, it's that so was she's a- not. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was the worst 30 seconds of podcast in the history of podcasts. Oh, terrible, terrible. Um, right, quick, Alice, hit the sting. 
Get me out of here. Oh, no, that doesn't deserve a sting. We're not, you, you can't exit <laughs> oh, through a sting. Not You're not going to feel of gold your way out of this one. <laughs> no. Uh, Nate, do you go in much for horror games? Yeah, kind of. Uh, I think my favourite one was uh, that game you could play on a PC where you encounter uh, opposition from a creature. That's right, Matthew, I'm roasting you. Uh, no. Uh, I, I, I'm not... I'm not that into the um, set dressing, I guess, of traditional games horror. Um, like Matthew was talking about, like colossal butchers and buzzsaws and stuff. I don't find it all like either upsetting or repulsive. Just a bit, don't know, doesn't really grab me. But I do, I do enjoy a little bit of vitamin F in games, by which I mean fear. Um, <laughs> Comes from strange places. Uh, dinosaurs really trouble me, um, or anything and massive and fast. Yeah, <laughs> anything that can like, you know, you ever had those dreams where there's just something massive looking down at you, and you you know that like you can run, but it can just like lean down and eat you. That's no. bad. We see that's oh. you. That's that's you keeping too many insects and small creatures. Oh, I would say as a, as a tall man, that's just my experience of the world. It's <laughs> it's fantastic. It's really good. It's probably an atavistic nightmare buried from the part of my brain that still thinks it's a tree shrew sixty five million years ago. But um, yeah, anything, any like big monsters in games that sort of tower over you and just sort of want to, to eat you. I find them quite stressful. And mm-hmm. the Watermen, um, like the Ichthosaur of Half-Life, is a, a classic fear awakening for a lot of people. Um, and, if, yeah, that com- comes out of the world. Because, again, it's the sort of thing of not being able to get away from it very well. Or it's far better. At, it can cover so much more ground than you in the same time. Uh, and then, like, Tunnel Griblies is a good example. Uh, right. <laughs> also, probably one of the most underrated and forgotten games the last 20 years, Chronicles of Riddick, Escape from Butcher Bay from 2004. Oh, interesting. Okay. Genuinely brilliant. Like, best-in-class stealth game with bloody Exhibit in it. And Vin <laughs> Diesel. Um it was really good. Like, I keep thinking this about Chronicles of Bloody Reddick. If it was released post Marvel, like post Guardians of the Galaxy, it would have been a smash hit because it was just a sort of unapologetic, like, high camp space opera that people are just fine with now. Uh, but anyway, they weren't at the time. So the film got laughed out of the cinema despite being a lot of fun. Um, this is sorry. This has become a weird yeah, I... <laughs> polemic for Chronicles of Riddick. But the game, basically, the reason I'm saying it was forgotten about is because it was attached to such a, a seemingly laughable franchise. But it was really, really good. The stealth in it was tense as all hell. And there was a bit where you went down and you were in this horrible space prison, and you you're Vin Diesel with his magic eyes and. <laughs> You, you get your magic eyes 
and you fall down into the tunnels beneath the prison. You've got to find this tramp, and there are like Smeagols in there, and you don't know that it's like the the descent, which had actually, funnily enough, come out that very year. Great year for unexpected Smeagols. Uh, but there you are, <laughs> Ben Diesel, with your night vision goggles made of meat uh, that are your eyes. And you're yeah. running around these tunnels, and then suddenly these golems come out of nowhere, and these horrible, like, gribbly little men are uh, just gibbering as they chase you through the labyrinth under this horrible space prison. I, it quite shook me up, actually. I had to have a half-hour break. Bro, I mean, we can tell that it obviously left an impression. No, my adrenaline's quite uh, quite stirred just by the memory of it, and that was 16 yeah. years ago. <laughs> Unexpected horror in action games is actually a, a, a really good source of, of vitamin F because, yeah. like... Oh, not not massively scary, but like uh, the the new Tomb Raider games tend to have a sequence where it puts you in like a scary cave with like mad monsters, and you're used with to unexpected fighting. golems. Yeah, but yeah, with, yeah, definitely in in. Are they uh, UGs in it? Yeah, UGs. Yeah. Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Yeah, there's some, there's some, there's some UGs, um, and you're so used to fighting men and you've got your you know you kind of know how they behave and then all of a sudden you've got like monsters screaming at you for like 10 minutes only 10 minutes but it's enough to it, it registers something yeah. <laughs> forgive me oh. i'm incredibly quietly typing shadow tomb raider golem into into, into google <laughs> interesting <laughs> be interested to see what uh what comes up for that search? I mean, that does link to um, one that I was going to bring up, which uh, is uh, the, I think it's called the Overbrook Hotel level in uh, Vampire, the Masquerade Bloodlines, the original oh, yeah. one. You know the one I'm talking about, Matthew, yeah, from yeah, your, yeah. your Let's Play. Because um, you are, you, it. The, the game is kind of straightforwardly a sort of a, I guess an RPG, action RPG, but you can persuade people and all that stuff as well. Um, and you get tasked with going to a hotel to get a locket because uh, you do a shady deal with a, a twit. It's a whole thing. Um, and for like an entire level, it just becomes quite a tense ghost story where you're creeping around this hotel that was set on fire years ago. And you stuff starts hurling itself at you when you enter rooms, or like you'll see a, a sad girl ghost pointing, and you'll hear things whispering at you and stuff. Um, see, this, and this stuff isn't as scary when you're playing it on a couch with Astrid, and you're both just talking bullshit over the top of it the whole time. It kind of undermines the fear of it, which is how I yeah, experienced it. If if you know, like, once you've done it once, you know when all the animation triggers are and you know yeah. that, like, yeah, what all the things are and it's not written, you know, if like, at what beat the saucepans will start flinging themselves at you. Yeah, yeah. But the first time I did it, I was a, a teenager and I was in, on my own and it was nighttime and it properly, like, 
properly scared me. And I, looking at it now, I think like they did a really good job with the the tools available in those. I think it was the Half Life Two engine they were using. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think it was really, really well done. And it's still one of the the, yeah. the scariest memories I have from playing a video game. There's so here's a question, Aru, for, from me to you. When you're playing, a, a, like you talked about there, like playing with the lights off, and Matthew, you talked about playing on the sofa and, and sort of shooting the breeze uh, to, you know, to mitigate mm. the fear a bit, or, you know, accidentally mitigate the fear. That's the thing. When you're playing a game, what you know is frightening, do you try to intensify the fear and sort of catalyze it? like putting on mood music right. for a night of romance? Or do you try to, you know, to, to quell it and dampen it? I, well, I, yeah, I, I dress up as a famous monster whenever I play a horror game <laughs> to get in the mood. I dress, dress up, up to the monsters. I dress up as the wolfman. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't. I, I try, I turn all the lights on and stuff because I do quite like horror games. But um, in that instance, I wasn't expecting it to become scary. Yeah. So I I was just sat in my room being, uh, you know, it was one of those occasions where I was being a teenager and I had no the, the sun had gone down and uh, I want it to be scary. The thing, the thing that you know, it is if it's designed to be scary, I want it to scare me, and I am easily scared. Like the the thing that kind of bugs me outside of games is where you get people who are really into horror films, but they've, they've watched so many of them, they're completely desensitized to anything. There's nothing you can throw at them that scares them. And yet it's the only thing they like is horror films, which now don't work on them. And you think, well, what's the, what's the point? You know, why, why, you know, that's like a very strange experience. You know, the few horror films I go to see every year, no matter how sort of naff they are, will always get me like the dumbest stuff gets me. And I feel like, well, that's good. That's, it's kind of working. That's what it should do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so, but I don't have to do much to get into that place. I don't think in terms of, you know, turning the lights off or whatever, because I'm just a natural scaredy cat. So. You ever played a jump scare game, like a specific game built around jump scares? I played, it's, it's, it's not PC. One that's really stuck in my head that I, that I loved uh, a few years ago was there was a, do you know the Fatal Frame series? Yeah. So it's the sort of horror game where you take, you basically fight ghosts by taking photos of them. And it's really weird because it's super scary in that it's ghosty Japanese sort of J-horror stuff. Um, but then once the ghosts actually appear, it becomes this daft arcade photography game, um, which kind of undermines it a bit. But in the build-up to the ghosts appearing, I think it's very effective. And there was a, there was one on the Wii, I think it was the fourth one, Fatal Frame mask of the lunar eclipse it was called and it had this brilliant mechanic where anything you interacted with in the environment you had to hold the a button to reach your hand out for it if you let go of the a button your hand would retract so there was lots of slowly reaching into like drawers and slowly <laughs> pulling back curtains and oh you had, no yeah amazing it's an, it, i thought like at the time i remember some people thinking it was like uber gimmicky but i thought it was like that's good. A, an amazing way of capturing that sensation of like, because you'd go into a room, there'd be a four-poster bed and there'd be like a shadow behind the, the curtain and you'd hear like a, a an old woman going, <laughs> and 
then you'd have to pull back the curtain. There'd be nothing there. And then you'd turn around and there'd be like, you know, a ghost boy would pop out of a bin or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's that's gold. Like, that's perfect. Oh, the bin boy. That really oh. scared me, that game. I got so scared of playing that game that it started loading very loudly on the Wii. And I thought it was trying to freak me out by loading loudly. Because the, the Wii was like, chicka, 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 chicka. I was like, ah. <laughs> I've got to say, I was so impressed right at the start of the um, Resident Evil 3 remake where it just, the game shows you like how fluent it is in like the grammar of horror and how it, you know, it, it is going to, you know, it, it's, it's going to run your show when it makes you go into your bathroom to wash your face. and there's just that space behind the shower curtain and it is so bloody stressful because nothing happens with it but it just that whole sequence just forcing you to go past it really slowly like twice there's absolutely no way that's that's coincidence at all it's a brilliant bit of design because it just really unnerves you over nothing Mm. I I think I prefer games like that do interesting things to scare you rather than jump scares because jump scares are uh effective but they can be cheap especially if you overuse them a lot so i did i wanted to mention um soma as well um which is it's by the same uh devs that did amnesia the dark descent which i'm sure a lot of people will have mentioned because that's one of the most famous kind of uh, I'd say like, it got let's played a lot. I think uh, people playing Amnesia, but Soma I felt was like oh, that really creeped me out because it was also that kind of existential horror as well. Like a lot of the time, it wasn't you. you it was that kind of sort of body horror, like um, a woman who was being kept alive because her lungs were like, uh, like strapped to some like a, a kind of corally sort of like biomechanical thing artificially inflating her lungs and refusing to let her die or like people that had uh been trapped as robots and stuff and like oh the classic yeah that that's like who th- thought they were still human it, it was it was amazing i thought it was great was that the one where you have a look at some very naughty fish. Sort of. <laughs> Maybe. It's, it's, it's weird, though, because I think that... I, I, I'll, I'll put my hands up. I actually haven't, I haven't played Soma, but the, there feels like there's a bit of a, a sort of side genre almost to the, to, the, to the walking simulator, which is the walking simulator, but with scary bits, um, mm. which, you know, people say it's psychological horror, but I find that... A, a, the things that I have played off the top of my head, I'm thinking of things like Layers of Fear, Layers of Fear 2, that kind of stuff. Like, it, it doesn't really work for me. Like, I find it very... F- and, and because of that, it just seems like a very flat story, not not interestingly told. Like, it, it, uh, the psychological stuff has to be so perfect to, to get to me in, in that way that it, you run the risk of just the whole thing, fa- like, completely failing on every level. 
Um, uh, that's why I like. I think the term psychological horror is like deeply misused now. Like people say a new psychological horror game when like what that means in most instances is a a game with some jump scares, but you'll find bits of a diary describing someone going gradually mad. Like that's... yeah, there's a lot of that. <laughs> Aren't you sick? Of, aren't you sick of like? Wait, am I the monster? Oh god! Whereas I think it's like right. it's people who played Silent Hill like twenty years ago and grew up to be game developers and are now making terrible Silent Hill ripoffs, like <laughs> destroyed but, in seconds. Well, it is. Like, it's just so much. It's tough. It's so tough. Anyway, I, I think Soma is genuinely a psychological horror because it is exploring psychological concepts about like what makes one human and can two of you exist meaningfully and still be the same thing? Like what is the self? Would you rather like be dead or exist kind of in some form forever or like what? Joining us on the podcast this week, folks, Matt Cox. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's really, really good. And also you can't, so that like I played the original, the original, the, um, when it first came out, the the version that didn't have an option to turn off the 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 literal monsters because there are some monsters that will chase you about in it, um, and there's an option now to turn them off if you don't want to get chased about. But that's always a moment that I hate as well when you're playing like a scary game and you're walking around and stuff, and they often tutorialize as they go, and there'll always be a moment where it's like press like shift to run. And then you're like, oh no, I'm going to have to run away from things. Yes, or or where you 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 wake up in a room at the start of the game and you walk up and there's a button, ki- there's a key press for um, like hide in cupboard, and you're like, why would I need to hide in the cupboard? And you're like, oh god, it's going to be one of those cupboard hiding games. Yeah, um, and there's no monster, but you know he's coming because why else would I be able to hide in the cupboards? Now here's here's legit like a tiny bit of a tangent, but I think it's relevant, like. Why do we bother still having crouching tutorials in every first-person perspective game? Because I can't remember the last time I had any need to crouch outside of a tutorial, but there's always a bit where I have to shimmy under a bloody fallen beam. (laughs) It's a waste of everyone's time. I don't know. There we go, case closed. Yeah, no more crouching ever. Uh, Nate, are there any other games that you remember scaring you? I have you played um, like Until Dawn, for example, because I know you like playing games where you can sort of play them with uh, your wife as kind of a collaborative effort, almost. Oh yeah, she's like my sort of um, mission control helicopter. Well, that's not even a thing. Um, <laughs> but that's, what that's is in my you, house? <laughs> it's what you did with Horizon Zero Dawn, right? Yeah, it's really good. I can get through big games with my wife because I I tend to just end up on horrific obligation chains uh, doing side quest after side quest and collecting collectibles I don't want to collect where she just sits there a bit like the geezer on the chariot in ancient Rome saying, remember you're mortal, just saying like, remember like only to play this game for a reasonable amount of time. I want to see the good story. Um, like she, she calls them Billy's bum cloths. Um, like if some owl man has asked me to go and fetch his lost acorn from 
I don't know. She'll be like, ignore Billy's bloody bum cloths and uh, get on with the story. Um, so, yeah, I think we should try a horror, actually. Um, I think like an Until Dawn or one of them would be good. That play- might be a really good shout, actually. I, I played Until Dawn with my um, family. Like, a, a, a weird mix of my family. It was over a long bank holiday weekend and we just happened to be playing in the living room and there were always other people in there and they, they really got into it kind of, you know, shouting out choices saying, Oh, you know, let the, you know, put, put the cheerleader down in the cellar or whatever. Um, yeah. And it, it became a really like a way better experience than it would have been than playing by myself. I might play man of Medan with well, that's, her. Yes. The same, same. Is game. it the same people? Isn't it? Yeah. Mm. That was, I, I once, um, I'm not allowed to say. I was once on a panel for a for the Baftas for the game Baftas um, for best British game, and it how was much really... did it cost? How much did it cost to get you in in the pocket, Matthew? No, no, I, 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 I was I was just I was just there, you know, just doing doing my thing. It was all all honest, all above board. But I I was it, I was quite reasonably down on until dawn, and it was it was in our category that we were judging. Um, like I thought it was fine, but I didn't think it was anywhere near like a contender for for what we were talking about. And the room was so in favour of it because it was like the only. I got the impression it was the only game on the list that that most of the people in the room could actually play. It was really yeah. weird. Like because we got so. I remember we got Prison Architect was on the list as well, and there were some people who like played it for five minutes, hated it, and you were like, wow great you know literally because i didn't understand it didn't know how it worked and then it got to until dawn and they're just like oh yeah it's cool it's like watching a film that should be the best game and you're like oh it was a real eye-opener for like how other people in the industry consume games um (laughs) good couch game as well things like that yeah Yeah. but we made the right right decision in the end so don't worry (laughs) Wow! It's Imagine so... if *Man of Maiden* was a, a, a romantic visual novel about dating Deborah Maiden. It is. You and it's not it a yet. horror game, is it, Matthew? <laughs> no, that's, that's that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Sting! Sting! <laughs> sting. Yeah, quickly, sting! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, any any more for any more? Any other horror uh, games you want to shout out? Like a, a little. Uh, I I haven't played it in a long time, but a little shout out for Condemned Criminal Origins, which was uh, it was on PC. It was it was a uh, Xbox 360 launch game. So it's one of those games that loads of people have played because it was like that or you know. Call of Duty 2, um, that you know, this wasn't a lot there. Uh, which was you were investigating crimes, you were you're sort of a policeman, but the big thing about it was like um, smashing, smashing in sort of homeless maniacs with pipes. <laughs> it was, it, it, it was all, it had a very big focus on like first person uh, fisticuffs. So you'd yeah. be walking around warehouses and these like maniacs would come at you and you'd you'd like rip a bit of pipe off a radiator and spang them over the head. Um 
but it sounds had, really socially compassionate. <laughs> it, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty broad. I don't think it would necessarily get made now, uh, but it had uh, a level in a like a shopping mall with loads of mannequins, and some of the mannequins were maniacs dressed up as mannequins. So as you walked by, they'd like burst into life and whack you with a pipe. Um, and that was, it sounds dumb, but that was scary as hell. Very, very like, uh, sort of like seven kind of David Fincher kind of set it very like just permanently drizzling set at night in warehouses. Um, it was just grubby. It was a grubby game. Any game where you hit a homeless guy with a pipe is grubby. <laughs> oh yeah. By, like In every sense. Yeah. It's just, I've just re- I mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, but. One of the, the the absolute bangers of the genre, Alien Isolation. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. That's, that's a clever peanut. I, I couldn't finish it. I'll put my hands up because I was too scared of it. <laughs> I no, no, I, I've had to watch someone play it. it that's an interesting one because it was one of those ones that really divided the press along transatlantic lines. Uh, and oh, it was yeah. very interesting to see. Yeah, look, the UK games press, by and large, thought it was good, and the Americans did not. Um, and I don't know why exactly, but it's it would be an interesting phenomena to examine. It's weird because it's like it's like frustrating by design, you know. Yeah, I think it was that they kind of wished that you could fight back a little bit more. I, th- I believe. Yeah. Like the, there's, uh, something, they, there's something unknowable about the alien, which is why it works, but also mm. why some people hate it. Um, but the way yeah. that so much of that spaceship and so many of the, just the pipes and like just the set dressing is designed to look a bit like the alien. That yeah. is so clever. Really, yeah. really clever. And it was, I it, love the, oh, sorry. No, go for it. I was going to say, I love the space station. It is a space station in that, isn't it? Um. Well, the, the big space object that you're in, that yeah. and the original Dead Space, like, quite often I find big spaceships or whatever in games might as well be bloody supermarkets. Like, yeah, they've, they've got, like, the right set dressing, but it doesn't feel like you're on a vessel, you know, or, like, you can't, you can't picture the overall, like, you just, you know that you are on an arbitrarily designed level within no particular overall 3D space. But whether through illusion or, or, you know, by what it actually was, both Alien Isolation and Dead Space really made me feel like I had a specific location Mm. in a big, cold metal box in space. And that's frightening. Definitely. Mm. Dead Space Um, is something I put in with evil within it's a similar vibe you know just relentlessly stressful like a really you're it's a really doomed situation you're in so it just becomes extra scary because of that um the dead space has the eye bit in it as well which was that dead space 2 i think that's dead space 2 yeah what's the eye bit yeah dead space 2 that some sort of health check thing and you have to like guide a needle into your your character's eye. Um, oh yikes! You know what else that happens in? Only Chronicles of Bloody Riddick. <laughs> it's not all that the is locks in that controlled by a needle going in your eye. Or am I imagining huh? in in Riddick? Isn't like every door locked with a big eye needle lock? 
I mean, God. When I say, when I say it out loud, it it feels like that's not true. Uh, I don't seem to remember that much corneal puncturing. <laughs> I mean, it would be a lot. I, like, in, in just a, you wouldn't want to work in that pressing. It'd be a, no. Like, be oh, ghastly. Can't we just there use was, keys? <laughs> there was the cop in Pitch Black, the Chronicles of Riddick precursor, uh, who was addicted to space drugs that he would wang into his body via the corner of his eye in a needle. Right. And he's probably been in a prison. Right. Yeah. I don't think the locks are eye puncturing. That would be that would be dumb. That would be that would be an HR nightmare, wouldn't it? Well, it would be, uh, be a, it would be difficult when you're trying to get people to come and work at your prison. Like it's it's like the opposite of a perk. <laughs> you know, you'd have to bring it up in the interview. Well, how do you feel about this? Um I'm gonna I I'm, I'm gonna give the floor to Nate for a brief moment because uh, we haven't mentioned Five Nights at Freddy's but Nate has been doing quite a bit of research into Five Nights at Freddy's uh, oh it'd, yeah it'd be a shame if we didn't have a few little bits of Five Nights at Freddy's kind of uh, trivia and, and tidbit do you want a sting? I can give you a sting and everything yeah 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 let's have uh, if you love someone set them free okay here you go Not, of course, the the noise an animatronic bear makes, is it? Um, But, uh, yeah, Five Nights at Freddy's. Fascinating. Guess how many five... Five... Five fights at bedtime. Fried fights. Um, Five Nights at Freddy's. Guess how many there have been? Um, Five? Okay. I oh, I'm trying to remember what was the last one. I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna say six. So Matthew, you're saying five, and you're yeah. saying six. Yeah. Sorry, it takes me a while to count. <laughs> if you ask us a question to which you don't have the answer, uh, I I was initially going to give you the wrong answer uh, because. I had counted a section heading on Wikipedia as a game uh, while scrolling through. That was bad of me. Uh, There are 12. 12? Yep. Uh, So in the main series, there is Five Nights at Freddy's, Five Nights at Freddy's 2, 3, 4, Five Nights at Freddy's Sister Location, Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria Simulator. Oh, I remember that one. Five Nights at Freddy's Help Wanted, then the spin-offs, Five Nights at Freddy's... Oh, as as I'm concentrating harder and harder on not mispronouncing Five Nights at Freddy's, I'm saying it more and more like Matt Berry. It sounds Um, like you've just taken a tramadol and it's starting to kick in. <laughs> There's Freddy in Space Five 2. Five Nights of Freddy. It's like the scene in a film where someone's taken a bad drug and like <laughs> someone someone in the club is like, "No, are you okay?" And oh, that bit in um what's the movie with the bad cop where he laces his coffee with PCP and then says, "What a what?" And it's really grim. <laughs> 
What the hell? <laughs> and he ends the film roaring about King Kong. What? Oh, I th- this is a film trivia failure on, on my behalf. Oh, it's a, it's a super-duper Matthew movie as well. You would totally have seen it. <laughs> PCP and he shouts about King Kong. <laughs> yeah, it's training day. Oh, Trove, right, yeah. Oh. I was about to say, because it's his training day. Right. And, of course, roll credits. Um, anyway, we got sidetracked there. So it's Five Nights at Freddy's, one, two, four, then Sister Location... Pizzeria Simulator, Help Wanted, Five Nights at Freddy's World, Freddy in Space 2, Ultimate Custom Night, Five Nights at Freddy's R, which I'm assuming is augmented reality, rather than it's about pirates. (laughs) Uh, Special Delivery, that's called. And uh, this year, uh, I'm just going to check whether it's out yet. Security Breach, Ooh. Uh, set to be released in 2020, straight onto the most anticipated games piles there. The but that's not all. Freddy versus that's pretty big. It's, it's about to get even bigger for you, my friend. Because guess how many Five Nights at Freddy's novels there are? <laughs> God. I know there are so I know there's some because one of my favorite podcasts, which is called the I Don't Even Own a Television podcast, where they they read bad books, has done a very good episode on one of the Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, one of the eight. Eight. Oh my god. Now that is something now look, I'm not trashing tie-in fiction. I write tie-in fiction. I write for Warhammer 40,000. But that at least like I've got to say, has quite a rich law behind it. Hmm. I don't think you could accuse Warhammer of not having much to work with. <laughs> I am not talking about the inherent quality of licensed fiction here. I'm talking about scraping together eight full-length books <laughs> out of a story about some robots that jump out of a hole. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I remember from the podcast, it's sort of got a kind of it flavor where it's people going back to like the diner where they went to when they were kids or something. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we should read, but this, let's all try and read one of the Five Nights at Freddy's novelizations. Done. I will take Five Nights at Freddy's The Fourth Closet from 2018. <laughs> the Fourth Closet. Right. Sign me mine. Uh, the Twisted Ones. And me? What do I get? The Silver Eyes, which is the one that kicked it all off. Oh, so. the original and best. Oh, that's the one they did on the uh, the podcast, I think. Oh, I've had it spoiled okay. now. The Twisted Ones. <laughs> they go to a diner. Uh, so in which case, um, do you want a different one, Alice? I might give you... Uh... Oh, no, I, I'm right. The Twisted Ones isn't the one they did in the podcast. I'm, I'm honestly not that fussy about which of the Five Nights of Freddy yeah. novelizations I have to read. Yeah, it's like... It's like, no, you know, it's like caring what award-winning Merlot you've been assigned to sample, isn't it? <laughs> um, okay, then. So uh, so what do we say? Silver Eyes for, for yeah. Matthew, Twisted Ones for Alice, and The Fourth yeah. Closet for me. And we'll report back either the week after next, probably reasonable. Yeah, all right. Two weeks' time, we'll do a book report. Yeah. Actually, no, sod it. It's not, it's not bloody Tolstoy, is it? We can do it next week. We'll all do right, it next right. week. Um, <laughs> Five Nights at Freddy's. Brilliant. 
I mean, uh, they're probably only, what, 250, 300 pages, I'd imagine? I would... If that. I would expect them to be 50,000 words or less, which would be, <laughs> what, about 170 pages? Okay. So... I hope there's a uh, cliff notes online. Uh, I will give you another little bit of interesting yeah. uh, Five Nights Meta Law. Um, mm-hmm. And again, this is not to like mock the games or anything. I mean, they're a simple concept, executed well, they're very popular. But I mean, come on. Um, I think it's interesting. Me and Alice had a little chatteroni about this. Um, the geese who made them, um, Scott Cawthon, uh, before those games, had made like really unsuccessful Christian games. Oh, really? That is interesting, isn't it? It's quite a surprise.com. It's quite a hard pivot. Do you know what I mean? It's not like a, the bear isn't like a Christ metaphor. Well, this is what we were saying. Are they a metaphor for like sex before marriage or something? It's like an allegory. Like, like, because that's, it's, I, I'm just gonna say again, it's quite a hard pivot, isn't it? Like it, it's not it, because like making jump scare games with scary robots isn't something you fall into, is it? Or it doesn't feel like it. It's like taxidermy. Like you, you can't accidentally become a taxidermist. It's, it's a. Str- I think I've been struggling to work out where the the resonance is for me, and it's this. There's nothing that there is. I'm paying no disrespect to Christian faith or saying it diminishes artwork, but I am definitely saying that artwork whose only theme is Christianity after the Renaissance tends Mm. to be a little flaccid, Um, you know, like American biblical superheroes and things like that. It's, It's got like the trappings of pop culture, but has been very deliberately defanged. And, Five Nights at Freddy's to me kind of has that atmosphere a bit, but without the actual Christianity. So it's just like I, a shell okay, of yeah. nothing. I don't, I'm, re- I'm absolutely hammering these games today. And I, yeah, I've, you are. You've gone in. You've gone in on Five Nights at Freddy's. I'm so sorry, Scott. If you ever end up hearing this, it really is nothing personal. Just, you know, I've just gone for the, your jump scare games about haunted animatronics. Mate. This is this is my training day moment. <laughs> I'm off the rails. At least you've not taken PCP though, isn't it? Not yet. Uh shall we move on then and quickly do some uh some Questions. Yeah, please. I'm becoming a monster. I actually had prepared some fake. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> I did it. I did it. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I can't believe he just he just cancelled me out with some jaunty oboe. <laughs> I want Matthew's game. Oh, Matthew, Nate suggested we make up. Uh, it's, uh, it's fine. It's fine. I, 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 I say it's fine. <laughs> <sighs> I'm sorry, Matthew. I didn't do it on purpose. Like, there's a delay between <laughs> it's time. 
You have to believe me, Matthew. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> Actually, I bought you a gift. Oh, never mind. <laughs> what are both of us? Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay, uh, we asked on Twitter uh, what games have scared you the most. Um, and Nate retweeted it and got his own responses. Got to, to, got quite to... a few, actually. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Alec Mia, RPS in Peace. Uh, it's, it's been interesting is that people have said like uh, things that have scared them from not explicitly horror games. So, Alec, uh, RPS in Peace, said, I got such overwhelming and terrifying vertigo from the narrow cliffside paths high above the desert in Half-Life's outside bits that I immediately stopped playing and didn't return to it for 18 months. I don't know the bit he's talking about because I am but a child. Because I've not played the original Half-Life. I played Half-Life 2. Well, you've got a perfect opportunity now with Black Mesa mm. to, um, to experience that fear for yourself in HD, I assume. Mm. Uh, I do get stressed out about very narrow first-person paths. It's that floatiness of not knowing what your feet, what your feet are meant to be doing. True. There's a bit of that in um, uh, Half-Life Alex as well, where you kind of teleport around some balcony ledges where I felt a little bit, oh, God. I'm quite happy to fall in an abyss. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, gravity. It's not a T-Rex. <laughs> uh, Richard Cobbett says, uh, the final bit of Monkey Island 2 in the tunnels with LeChuck, only nightmare I've ever had about games. That is quite creepy. Yeah. Again, is there a creepy bit in Monkey Island 2? Yeah, you get, cha- you get yeah. chased at the end where you're stuck in like, you're trapped in like a, in a corridor. It's like four screens wide and you just have to run left to right and try and like find a solution to LeChuck chasing you. Mm. Wow, sounds like I'd hate that even more than the rest of the game. <laughs> wow. Slipping in the spicy takes at the end. Yeah, there. I've just abandoned it all now, yeah. Just throw that one out there. Uh Oliver Gerlach. Is that that is how it's pronounced, isn't it? I'm very sorry. I believe so. Believe uh, so says, I can't handle Subnautica at all. As soon as I get out of the first area, it's too much for me. The prospect of anything coming out of the depths at me is terrifying. I've had legitimate scuba diving training, so this makes, makes no sense to me at all. Oh, yeah, that big bastard that's like Tim Curry off of Legend, but on a snake. <laughs> Hate I had, it. I, I had a crush on Tim Curry off of Legend when I was a little kid. I've been listening to some really, really good electronica recently, some synthwave or whatever, which has got hilarious amounts of sampling of Tim Curry in Legend. I love it. <laughs> a, vote, a vote for Condemned Criminal Origins from Mark Allman. He's also scared of the mannequins, I would imagine. Very good. Uh, Steve has mentioned Alien Isolation as well. Uh Aaron Waite has said uh, the locker room bit of the original Silent Hill. I, to my shame, have not played Silent Hill, so, so sorry. My wife said, uh, fee 
or F-E-A-R. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, Give me the right old heebie-jeebies as a teen. Yeah. Very much inspired by Japanese horror films, yeah. but with a sci-fi environment. Nice use of audio for making you get jump scared. Good ending. It was, that was, I think that was like the first game I remember playing, like Western game that kind of pillaged the J-horror playbook for like child with lank hair creeping around, that kind of stuff. Um, Fear was pretty scary. There's a really horrible jump scare where you go onto a ladder and it uses the animation of looking down at the ladder and then looking back up again to then flash the kid in your face, and it's just like, uh oh, the classic misdirection. Oh, it is. But like game, I like, I kind of, I like the craft of that. I think that's fun, kind of setting it up and knowing that you can mess with people like that. That's good. Funnily, I learned about the concept of the misdirection scare from a ghost voiced by Richard Ayoade on an episode of The Moomins I was watching with my daughter. If you have young children's, the new Moomins cartoon isn't just quite good. It's educational. <laughs> uh, what else have we got here? Uh, Dan Pearson says Stalker every second in the underground labs. Uh, Ryan Tompkins putting another vote for uh, Subnautica, 100%. Uh, Constant Bad Thoughts has uh, linked quite a fun thread about a puzzle game for the Amiga 500, which is a a game that contains no jump scares and is set on a sun-drenched tropical island. So I will link that that little thread in the the show notes on the site. Um, Regular Virus has said the first video game to use jump scares and the bane of my childhood... Rescue on Fractalis, which is an Atari special. That one. Does that count? Is that is that edible at Rock Paper Shotgun? Yeah, why not? Sounds good. <laughs> throwing throwing all the rules out today. Uh, Jamie Redgate has said Resident Evil Seven, which was. Um, I found the first half of that very creepy when you didn't really have any weapons and you were just running and hiding around this big scary house but then when you got guns it sort of wasn't wasn't really as bad the opening to that the first half hour of resident evil 7 is really full-on and quite scary i think yeah like, can you chop your hand off doesn't it like it's not happen i swear um, i swear something horrible happens to your hat or a finger or something your finger gets chopped off or something yeah it might do i can't remember isn't that the rainy days game the what there's like a rainy days game where you've got to like, um, well, mash your hands basically, or a boy drowns. <laughs> oh God! Okay. Oh. <laughs> it's it's either you got to mash your hands or a boy drowns. That's almost as vague as my freaking Bethesda anecdote. <laughs> no, that's that. I mean, that is the game, though, isn't it? That's heavy, heavy rain. Which heavy be rain? Oh, heavy rain. <laughs> rainy days. <laughs> rainy <laughs> days. We should do a game one week <laughs> where, like, yeah, I, 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 I get seriously ill for a few days. And then in my mentally diminished state afterwards, attempt to describe games. <laughs> you have to guess what I mean. We can do a segment each week where, so, like, 
If you're listening to this now, each week, tweet a game for Nate to describe to me and Matthew <laughs> without using the title. You can do it like, like what should we call it? Like where you, you give him a bunch of words that he's not allowed to say in describing the game. Yeah, do that. That would be do a that. laugh. We'll do Nate describes games every week. <laughs> uh, yeah, Heavy Rain's coming to PC soon, isn't it? Because all the the Quantic Dream games are uh, being spaffed onto Steam or the Epic Store or whatever. Looking forward to that. Um, oh, they're the people who did the problem with robots last year, aren't they? Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> um, what else we've got? Got uh, a few votes for uh, System Shock as well. System Shock 2. Interesting. I'm going to seem uh, very ignorant now. Is is System Shock deve- uh, developmentally related to Bioshock? Yeah, sort of. Um, yes and no. It's uh, uh, one of those sort of like... It's not exactly a spiritual follow-up, but it's one of those sort of related themes kind of thing, right? I get it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, spiritual successor. I'm I'm this is terrible ignorance on my part. I can't I I I don't know what the actual development connection is. I think some people that worked on System Shot, I can't remember if what what's his face went on to buy Oh, Shot. no, no, it's yes, yeah, yeah, System Shot 2 is um uh Ken Levine thing. Oh, yeah, and they're remaking System yeah. Shock 2 now, I yeah. think. Um, Francois Hardy says, uh, this scared me for life. I was 10 at the time. Uh, and he's linked a video of all the deaths in June. So I will... Uh, <laughs> I will put that in the show notes as well. Uh, lots of subnautica. Lots. Of, we've got loads. I we've got loads of responses for this. I think fear has. Uh... Andrew Skinner said, uh, adding to fear, it just said the AI deserves a shout out. Uh, it was the first game he ever felt truly hunted. Uh, Leonard Len- Leonard says uh, Soma as well. Everyone has good taste. Well done. Uh, any more you want to highlight from uh, from your side, from your unofficial tweet, Nate? Uh, yeah, yeah, just a. Oh, I mean, a couple of does, but uh, I'll pick pick out the highlights. Uh, Jack Milton said, "Forbidden Siren." Have oh, yeah. you have you come across Forbidden yeah, Siren? Yeah, that's. Um, I think it's a PlayStation exclusive. I think it's the, it's the one where you're trying to escape. You're trying to get out of a village. And there are zombies, but you've got the ability to like project into the zombies' heads and see what they're seeing. So you have to work out where they are based on what they can see to escape them. If that makes sense. Oh, um, that's brilliant. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's it's like uh, definitely got a big cult following. There's been quite a few of them. I'm pretty sure they're PC. They're, they're PlayStation exclusives. I might be wrong. Um, yeah, actually, all the other ones, uh, well, I say all the other ones, the other few are all PlayStation ones as well, so don't exist. Yeah. Um, I guess your answer, your tweet wasn't as quality as uh, you made it out to be to start with, Nate, so... Uh, a bit more quantity, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. good to see a little vote for uh, Jeff from Half-Life Alex from Calvin Wong Loon here. Um, did you ever, did, have you played Alex yet? No, who's Jeff? Jeff's yeah. a big... <laughs> Jeff's uh, like a, a big stumbling blind monster man who can, he'll run to whatever he can hear, which on paper is like the worst possible cliche. Um, but Valve do it absolutely brilliantly because you're in this, uh, it's, it's like a distillery or a, like a vodka factory. So there's bottles everywhere to knock over and you're trying to get these these uh, batteries to, to power up some device or other and he's sort of stumbling around but there's things like where you because obviously in vr you've got the hand controls where you open up a cupboard and then like a bottle fall out the cupboard and you have to catch it with your other hand really quickly before jeff can hear um who named him jeff well he's because he was a guy called jeff i think who got turned into a monster it's one of those cute little valve that you know they're like oh we call him jeff or something and the chapter is called jeff i think and then you're like, what the hell is Jeff? Aww. And then you find out, um, which I've spoiled now, apologies. Um, well, Jeff. It's 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 the best set piece in that game. Like it's a, a sequence which could have been so tired and seen it all before, but the combination of like the 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 extra little VR tricks they do with it is is so good. Um it's almost too good to be scary because you're just like, oh, this is awesome. Uh, like this is so clever, you know, when you're playing it. But on paper, Here's a, it's scary. A, a, a quick one for you, Matthew. If like you don't have a VR rig and it's unlikely you're going to have one in the foreseeable, is it one that's worth watching, like a let's play of? And that's going to sound like a horrific setup for a promo if you've done a let's play. No, well, we did do. We did, we, I did a let's play the first couple of hours of it, um, which you should definitely watch because. You know, it was it was pretty fun. I thought. Um, I'd say if there was a game which is like worth like trying to get your hands on, like a VI, whether it's borrowing it or or or, or whatever, really, um, I would definitely want to experience it firsthand. I wouldn't necessarily watch a thing of it. I definitely wouldn't play it modded to remove VR because <laughs> it's just not what it's about. But. That's that's having a car modded not to have wheels, isn't it? Very silly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Lovely stuff. Uh, I think then we can do a little sting and uh, transition to saying goodbye. Every move. So yeah, it's it's come now to the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening and bearing with us uh, to this episode ninety-seven of the Electronic Wireless Show, uh, lads. Do I'm you sorry. Have... Are we on ninety-eight? Oh, maybe we are. Oh my god! I thought it was ninety-seven. Oh no! <laughs> maybe we're just trying to mess with people as it's the Halloween special. Yeah, oh, no. it's like you don't know what's real and what's fake. It's 1997. <laughs> Nothing is, is more frightening than uncertainty. Um, it's episode 90 something, anyway. Uh, and uh, lads, do you have your recommendations prepared? Yes. You do? Okay, Matthew, off, off you pop. 
I would recommend a subscription or a free trial, because I believe they do exist, to the BFI player, which is the British Film Institute player, um, which is uh, a streaming service that gives you access to BFI films, but they've currently, or, or a film collection created by the BFI, and they've currently got an amazing Japanese season on, um, which ties into um, uh, a season that they would have been doing, I think, you know, if cinemas weren't shut down. Uh, everything from, well, there's really old school stuff. There's some anime in there. There's some J-horror in there. We watched Audition the other night. Um, which oh, my goodness, seen. Audition. Audition. I feel Audition's a great film. Um, it is. Like, but, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite a lot. It's one of the few horror films I really, I don't mind watching, like, because it's like a drama for an hour and a half and then an absolute horror show for the last half hour. And yeah. the first hour and a half are, like, quite enjoyable as a drama. And then the, the last half hour is not quite as bad as you remember it, but, you know, it, it, it does, it delivers the goods at the end. <laughs> it's like a snake with a gun nailed to the very back of it. <laughs> well, no, because a snake is scary. In itself, oh, I'd say it's you, like Matthew. I'd say it's like a baguette with a gun nailed to the end of it. <laughs> a baguette with a snake in it. That's a <laughs> no, it's a baguette with a snake, but like coiled at one end. So you're eating the baguette, and you're like, "This is nice," and then you get to the snake. <laughs> <laughs> the classic sting in the tail. Yes, that's how. That's how you God. deliver it, mate. Okay, uh, Nate, do you have a recommendation? Uh, I'm gonna. Well, I hadn't prepared one so i'm going to run back to the trench full of moomins uh and and fortify myself there uh, how did you not have one prepared we do this every week i don't experience many things plus he, he hasn't got That's... anything to promote this week huh. actually no i do actually <laughs> <laughs> like, this this podcast episode like imagine the ruins of tokyo <laughs> Matthew is Godzilla, I'm Mothra, and like the rubble is labelled stuff like, you know, spoilers from Half-Life Alex and <laughs> Five Nights at Freddy's, <laughs> yeah. Monster Battle over Tokyo. Uh, no, I am going to make a recommendation, actually. It's the Fluval Spec 5, um, which is uh, a premium nano-aquarium of five gallons in volume. <laughs> Uh, I apparently purchased two of them <laughs> while in the depths of a fever. Uh, also a vast quantity of live moss and a load of triops eggs, um, which will hatch into small desert shrimp. So, so that's it. Uh, you, you can either get a BFI subscription or some shrimp. <laughs> what a combo. <laughs> They love Japanese cinema. Known for it. But, you know, really good tank. Five gallons, um, longer than it is wide, perfect for a desktop or a coffee table, about 18 inches long and and about seven across. Really lovely if you want to get into uh, aquascaping, a planted tank. Um, if you modified it, you could possibly run uh, a nano reef aquarium in there as well, marine setup with, I don't know, um, maybe a maybe a small protein skimmer and some modifications to the lid. Uh, good LED for plant growth. Decent mixed filter media. Um, 
I've been running the the uh, the the lower model of spec for a, a year now as a shrimp tank, and really recommend the range. Finger slowly reaches for the sting button. <laughs> <laughs> I was tempted. <laughs> Uh, Press A to continue aquarium (laughs) pitch. I am going to recommend Line of Duty, which is, I I will say, it is basically propaganda because it's uh, the BBC's um, series. It's on series six, but the. the, the series are about five or six episodes long, although the episode is about an hour each. Um, and it's a series about AC12, uh, which is Anti-Corruption Unit 12, and they in, they investigate corrupt cops. Um, and there's an overarching uh, plot, which is basically about uh, an organized crime gang um, that, that is uh, facilitating police corruption. And they're trying to winkle out cops working with this gang. Um, and uh, it's both good as a drama and also very funny <laughs> um, without meaning to be. There are some very good performances in it. Vicky McClure is very good. Um, uh, the, there are some other really, really great uh, supporting cast members, uh, but there's also some really funny stuff in it, like the head of the unit is a guy called Ted Hastings. Oh, don't make fun of Ted Hastings. I'm not gonna make fun of Ted. Ted's great, All right. but like he in in like series three, they introduce this this female like lawyer character who's like a civilian who works with the police force, and she's really gunning for Ted, and everything she says is like dripping with innuendo almost. Is it meant yeah. to be funny or? No, uh, it's not. It's just certain things <laughs> I find very funny. Like like she'll be she'll be like. Um, She'd be like, you haven't got a corrupt bone in your body, Ted. And then the inference is it's kind of like, but but I'd like a bone in mine. Like, <laughs> like everything she says can be interpreted as a really breathy kind of come on. And that makes me laugh a lot. And also one of the main characters, like, like, like his type seems to be like women that are materially involved in cases that he should... <laughs> that he is investigating and he gets told off and his response is always like with respect i'm a normal bloke with a normal private life it's none of your business if i've fingered a witness like (laughs) unbelievable is this recent i've never heard Um, it's it's on iplayer the latest season is on iplayer and then the other series are on netflix um and it is it's good fun it's really Um, good yeah, it's it's and also uh, bonus extra uh, way to enjoy it more is to sing uh, "Line of Duty" in time with the instrumental theme music because the theme music goes like da 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 da. So when we watch it, we kind of roar "Line of Duty, Line of Duty, Line of Duty" <laughs> until the music stops. Which <laughs> is terrifying. I was hearing that of as Lion of Duty. It's quite oh, a yeah. uh, So that's my my recommendation is to loudly sing the Lion of Duty theme song when you have open windows and will probably alarm your neighbours. Uh, exit. Well, 
Thank you very much for listening to episode 97 or possibly 98. We will confirm that uh, of the Electronic Wireless Show. Um, don't forget to uh, follow us on Twitter where we will tweet out questions and solicit questions for the podcast, which is at Rock Paper Shot. And uh, you can email us with comments, questions, suggestions, feedback for the podcasts at podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. Matthew is a vidbud on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash rockpapershot. Um, we have merch. You can buy a very fetching purple t-shirt at uh, teespring.com forward slash store forward slash rockpapershotgun. Uh, you can join our Discord uh, where people organize playing games together, which is very nice. Uh, I will link to that below as well in the show notes. And uh, you can, of course, uh, go to www.rockpapershotgun.com for all your PC gaming needs. Did I forget anything, lads? I think that's everything, isn't it? No, no. Do, do write in. It's lovely. Um, it's really nice writing back. Yeah, you'll get a response from Nate. Usually, oh yeah, like. and yeah, yeah. I, I'm happy to to take on that. It's a nice one. Uh, in which, actually, thank you to Tom. It was Tom, wasn't it, who suggested this week's theme? Yes, Tom from Melbourne in Australia. Melbourne saw a ma- massive crab in a casino there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so do email in because you might get a crab fact in re- return. Who knows? Uh, say goodbye Nate bye fly away promise you'll come back and visit bye say goodbye Matthew Uh, goodbye and I'll say goodbye to you bye everyone I deleted the outro sting by mistake. (laughs) 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 It's all right. Graham will fix it in post.